This is the Gartner Podcast for Supply Chain Leaders. Hello, my name's Thomas O'Connor, and welcome to another episode of the Gartner Supply Chain Podcast, where we sit down with some of Gartner's best thinkers, innovators, and leaders to share with you the most up-to-date strategic insights and tactical tips you need to drive supply chain success. And today we're exploring a topic that, to be frank, we've all been increasingly dealing with these last few years, disruption. Specifically, my colleagues Brian Whitlock and Joel Knox are joining me to discuss logistics, labor, and materials disruption, and what the current outlook looks like. Brian, Joel, it's great to have you joining us today. It's great to be here, Thomas. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us, Thomas. Looking forward to the discussion. All right. So, Brian, if you don't mind, I'd like to kick things off with you and some fundamentals here, mate. Specifically, you and Joel recently launched Gartner's new monthly supply chain alert research series. Gartner clients, I strongly recommend you check out these reports on Gartner.com. And in this research series, we track a range of different macro data points. Would you be able to give us some insight for our audience as to what it is we're tracking and why supply chain leaders need to care about these sorts of metrics? Sure, Thomas, I'd be happy to. In our monthly publication of a supply chain alert, our heat map tracks data points in logistics, materials, and labor. And the data represents indices that place pressure on supply chains. So whether that's ocean cost trends or logistics capacity availability, commodity prices or inventory, or labor costs and availability, these indices help our clients understand whether these pressures are growing or easing. The supply chain alert includes a set of complementary slides which provide further insight into the data. And there are trend charts for each indice. Now, this comprehensive document provides a great foundation for managing internal messaging and for better understanding the direction of supply chain pressures. And Joel, if we look back over the last two years, what's the broad brush trends that we've been seeing across these metrics? Thomas, it's been rough. <laughs> There's really no other way to say it. You know, if, if we think about supply chain in simple terms, right? you need materials and labor to make stuff and logistics to move and store. All three of those things need to come together to be successful. Not only was that not happening, uh, but it was actually the polar opposite. All three were moving in the wrong direction together in terms of both availability and price across nearly all major manufacturing regions. Nearly every metric that we looked at was deep red which basically means that it was at a two-year high in pressure um, in Q4. The lagging indicators were red. The leading indicators were red. It was ugly. Now, we saw that start to soften a bit in Q1. Pressure in key commodities like industrial metals or food were beginning to moderate. Uh, Supplier delivery times were either improving or at least getting worse more slowly. You know, wages were still rising, but workforce participation was beginning to recover in Europe and the US. To be clear, things weren't suddenly rosy. And it wasn't, uh, if I were to use a very, say, technical term, they were maybe starting to suck a little less. Then suddenly we saw Russia's invasion of Ukraine and we saw lockdowns in China throw a wrench back into commodities, right? Which had a further knock-on effect on material inputs and added some at least temporary strain, uh, additional strain on global logistics networks. And it kind of tipped us back into the red, at least in the near term. Now, we're starting to enter a period that's a bit more uncertain. Right? We knew supply chains were strained, right? and we knew we weren't going to see much relief in the immediate future, unless we saw some slowdown in demand for goods or a dramatic increase in capacity investment that somehow came online more quickly than we expected. I don't have a perfect crystal ball. Nobody does. But the early data suggests that we may see some perhaps unwanted relief from the demand side of the equation that that could change things as we look towards the the future outlook. All right. So that's really interesting there, Joel. We're starting to think about what the future outlook 
does look like. And what I'd really like to do now is actually start to dive in a little bit deeper into some of those uh, core areas that uh, are within this this heat map tool that, that we've got and actually start to give some of our audience, you know, a bit of insight as to what we're, we're thinking in terms of current outlook for areas like logistics. And Brian, obviously, one of our leading logistics experts here at Gartner. And so I want to um, come back to you on, on that piece, right? So what's our current outlook look like for logistics? How are things today? And do we expect conditions to settle down anytime soon in, in this part of the supply chain? Thanks, Thomas. We're, we're definitely starting to see some changes as a result of the macroeconomic conditions. For example, ocean costs are certainly starting to moderate, and they've been doing so for much of the year. But that's not to say that prices are returning to normal anytime soon. They currently sit at three to four times pre-COVID levels, so still very high. And port congestion and inefficiencies throughout the network globally continue to impact supply. As an example, carriers continue to cancel 10% of their scheduled sailings every week because of missed schedule rotations. And port and inland networks remain backlogged. So the challenges with ocean freight are more structural and they'll keep pressure on capacity and rates for much of the year, if not into 2023. For air freight, it's another great example of where prices are moderating, but they're still two to three times higher than pre-COVID levels. And we've seen this pattern over the past year and a half, large up and down swings in rates based on changes in demand. And the challenge is supply is constrained due to a lack of long haul passenger flights, which carried much of the international cargo volume. And this pattern will continue well into next year and will persist to some degree or another until international passenger flights return. Now in Europe, the road market continues to be under pressure from shortages of drivers and high fuel costs, as well as additional pressures from the Russia invasion of Ukraine. But in the US, the truckload market is actually starting to soften with lower demand and improving prices. And this is likely a trend that will continue, but still with more volatility than we've previously seen in the past. And additional pressures on logistics include high labor shortages, in particular with long haul trucking. In the US, the driver shortage is roughly around 80,000, while in Europe, it's likely to increase from the 400,000 reported at the beginning of the year, primarily due to the loss of drivers to Ukraine. And in warehousing, labor rates are now competing with many other industries, meaning warehouse employees have many more options to choose from. And last, fuel costs are at record highs. And this is adding to the extraordinary high rates that we currently see in the market and helping to delay the, any benefit to budgets that softening demand might deliver. At the top there, Brian, you said interesting times, and I think that is a very apt description of what we're, we're currently seeing in the, the global logistics market. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of challenge out there. And there was one bit at the end there where you started to reference things like um, driver shortages and whatnot. And so I think that's an interesting transition for us, actually, where you know the two other areas that we, we look at in this report focus in on labor and materials. And so, Joel, maybe I could ask you to step in to, to give a bit of an insight into to those two areas, just like we've just heard from Brian on logistics. Yeah, absolutely, Thomas. I mean, no surprise. Right? We live in a connected world these days. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of similar themes from what Brian described when we start looking at kind of the, the materials and labors world, some of which are causal to the logistics space and some of which are, are a result of the logistics space. You know, I think if we start with materials, 
no conversation around material inputs is complete unless we start at the kind of the source. We start at the commodities. Now we saw nearly across the board rise in prices in the commodity world as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, the inputs that we track, which are industrial metals, food, and energy, were all up in the range of at least 25% from December, and in for many in the hundreds for for many sub commodities. Now we're still seeing um, a lot of long-term pain. In, in the horizon for what I'll call non-cyclical commodities, especially those with high energy exposure or those that are directly sourced from either Russia or Ukraine, things like food uh, or industrial resins. However, the more cyclical commodities are starting to show some demand softening that's starting to kind of dampen the supply effects. If I look at kind of where industrial production is going, this seems more likely driven by general pessimism in the outlook, though, rather than really pure supply-demand dynamics, at least at this point. Now, what this all means is that many commodities will face a large kind of potential swings with a material change in either supply or demand. For instance, we could see a bounce in steel prices if orders for durable goods don't soften in the near term and companies highlight pretty strong security and, and kind of surety in future backlogs. Uh, conversely, a stronger move to ration natural gas in Germany, coupled with a busy hurricane season in the US, uh, Gulf Coast could make for a really painful Q3 and Q4 for anyone with high exposure to resin prices. Simply put, you know, we've moved out of this kind of we're out of everything mode and into a, we have the potential to be out of a few really important things mode, depending on how near-term risks for specific commodities do or don't materialize. Now, if I put kind of like that, a little bit of ominous tone aside, the, the current trend for supply actually looks pretty good when I start looking at kind of converted materials. So barring a temporary drop in China as a result of recent lockdowns, supplier deliveries are well off of two-year lows. And some of this is capacity coming online. Some is a slight improvement in labor and transportation availability. Now, that doesn't mean that procurement and materials teams suddenly have it easier and all kind of taken off to go to the beach. <laughs> but there are some at least early you know, optimistic signals, I would call them. To some extent, kind of similar to what Brian described with logistics, right? Things are, are not good. Uh, but maybe they're not as bad as they were, uh, and there's some reason for it for near-term optimism. You know, if I go from materials to labor, I think I've probably spoiled the plot a little bit on that one. Um, but we we look at labor costs and vacancies in manufacturing logistics. Right? The signal on wages is clear; they're still going up. The view on vacancies is a bit inconclusive at this stage, though. The pinch on workers that we saw kind of at the highs of Q3 has lessened. But honestly, I don't quite see enough within the supply chain data specifically to say we see a positive trend uh, in the coming quarters. However, you know, I, if I step away from supply chain, I can kind of maybe close that part on a positive note to say that at least some of the macro data that we see in terms of workforce participation, especially in the US, and the quits rate, in other words, fewer workers quitting their roles, leads me to think that maybe you know, we'll start to see some, um, you know, some positive improvements in the, uh, the supply chain labor picture as well in the coming months. Again, right, uh, far from pre-COVID levels, but potential improving picture nonetheless. Um, and that's honestly before we start to kind of extrapolate on any potential recessionary impacts on the labor demand, right? So more of a base case expectation. All right. So there's an awful lot going on out there, right? We've heard from Brian on logistics and now Joel on both materials and labor. And good to hear that there is at least a little bit of potential positive indicators out there in, in some of the, the metrics that we did um, just, just touch on there. So thank you very much, both gentlemen. Now, one thing that I always try to do in our podcast series is to make sure that our audience gets some form of 
advice which is actionable to them. And so maybe that's where we can close things out for today's discussion. And, and maybe, Brian, you can kick it off. If you were to try to sum up you know, a key piece of insight that you'd share with our podcast audience today with regards to what they should be doing based off all of the disruption we've been talking about today, what would that be? Yeah, thanks, Thomas. Uh, there's really four key actions um, that I'd recommend. The first is for, for companies to get visibility of their supply chain. Know where your inventory is located and be flexible in how it's deployed and understand where supply chain pressures are coming from across your network and have scenario plans in place and, and ready to action. The second is segmenting suppliers and, and leveraging the critical few to build response plans as the market changes. Because you're going to need those critical suppliers to help in moving strategies forward, both when pressures are high and when they begin to subside. Third, benchmark the market and understand how the dynamics of supply and demand are affecting cost and know how they're going to respond as pressures move up and down. And last, use tools like Gartner's Supply Chain Alert to stay updated on the trends impacting pressure on supply chains and also to help with internal messaging. Joe, any additional thoughts? I mean, honestly, Brian, you nailed it. I think the the only other thing that I would add is that the, the back half of 22 and early 2023 have some pretty big question marks on the demand side, frankly, in an environment that's still fraught with risk on the supply side. I think for, for supply chain leaders, it, it means that you know, we're going to have to influence the organization to place our bets on what expectation we expect to happen um, within demand. And we need to be leveraging processes like SNOP to ensure that those bets are communicated and that the risks and opportunities are well aligned across the business. I think at the end of the day, we're, we're going to be in an operating environment that's tough enough. You know, the kind of fractures or divisions in internal communication and expectations really don't need to make it any harder. And so I think that'd probably be the only other thing I would add. Great point to close there on, on Joel. Uh, we, we certainly don't need those internal fractures to make our uh, already challenging environment any more, more tough. And I couldn't agree more there, gentlemen. So thank you very much for, for those recommendations for our, our audience today. And of course, thank you for joining us today and guiding us through these macro disruptions that we're all experiencing across logistics, labor, and materials and what they mean for supply chain-driven organizations as we look ahead. Absolutely, Thomas. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thomas. It's been a pleasure. Brilliant. All right. So, gentlemen, again, thank you very much. And of course, to our audience, a huge thank you to you as well for joining us today for another episode of the Gartner Supply Chain Podcast. As I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to find out more about this research, Gartner clients are welcome to engage Brian, Joel, and the wider supply chain team here at Gartner via our inquiry service to further explore the impact of the disruptions we're seeing across our operating environment. While I'd also strongly recommend checking out their monthly report, to do so, you can use the link in the show notes or simply go to garden.com and search for monthly supply chain alert, with each new version typically publishing around mid-month. Finally, if you've enjoyed our show, please be sure to go to garden.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you've listened to our podcast today and give us a five-star rating as well as subscribe to make sure you're notified once our next podcast is released. My name's Thomas O'Connor, and I can't wait to be speaking with you all again soon on the Gartner Supply Chain Podcast. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. 
Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.